Welcome to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Now here are your hosts, Nina and Brian Dixon. Welcome back to another episode of Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. We're on number 14. Like we're just cruising. Cruising along. One yeah. four, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple announcements right now that we have this week for you guys. The first one is, believe it or not, I got a TikTok account this week. <laughs> and I don't know if I should be embarrassed to admit that or what, but I keep hearing that it's like the next platform to be on. And it's like the next big thing. It's going to like blow up bigger than Instagram. And I wasn't believing the hype for a couple weeks now until you brought it to my attention. Hold up, hold up. I brought it to your attention a while back, and you go, no, nobody uses that. And then you saw somebody else on Instagram say it that it was wasn't Gary me. I, I was and then you're like, okay, I'm going to check it out now. Okay, Brian, people use this. We need to use it. <laughs> Either way, I just thought like, okay, let me see what it's all about. So yesterday I created an account, and I ended up sitting on that thing for like an hour. There were the, the funniest videos are on there. People's parents are on there. It's actually a really cool, easy, quick platform to use. So I am on there, and my handle is Nina Pal Dixon, just like my Twitter and my Instagram. Brian, do you have an account? I don't think I've set one up yet. Not yet. Okay, so you're behind. Okay, no worries. Uh, Brian will probably have one soon, too, at some point. I did get specifically instructed, though, not to creep on young children well, I, yeah i said that <laughs> like i was going to do that in the first well, no, place because i was on there and it's like 13 year old girls and i'm and i'm wondering like what is the point of us pushing our podcast out on there and being on that platform but i understand what gary v says he goes you're trying to grasp those 8 to 15 to 16 year old people because those young kids are the next generation you know well, they are your next consumers as long as you're not violating COPA, the Child Online Privacy Protection Act. It all sounds so bad, <laughs> but anyway, it is a cool app, so I'm def I'm on there now. And also, I was trying to, after this week, we had a lot of engagement on our platforms, which I'm very grateful for. If you guys are listening and you were the ones to message me, thank you so much. But it got me thinking, how can we find other ways to engage with our audience? And so you and I were talking about this, and I was like, you know what, I wouldn't mind since the most of many of our listeners come from Pennsylvania or Missouri. Mm -hmm. And that's because I'm from Pennsylvania, you're from Missouri, and we live in St. Louis. So I'm thinking it would be, maybe it'd be a good idea to have like a live podcast recording, um, like a session going on with like drinks and snacks and make it like an, a live event for free for everybody, for our audience. And it would also be a chance for them to have live question and answers and a, a live meet and greet. I'm not sure about this yet. I know it's something I want to do, and I think it could be a lot of fun for you and I to do it. But we want to ask you guys, the audience, if this is something you'd be interested in. It's free. It would be completely free. We're not trying to make money off of it. Um, but Or would people want to travel for it? How much notice do you need if we like plan to do something like this? And our St. Louis peeps, uh, we definitely want to hear from you guys. Tell us what you're thinking. Um, I bet you if we had, I've got some friends that would show up if there was a punch bowl full of Red Bull vodka. <laughs> <laughs> they would probably I show up. I don't want to name any names stripes. right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely reach out to Brian or myself and let us know what you guys think. The third thing is, just this morning I got a message on how it's not completely clear where and how our audience can reach us. So I want to say Twitter, Instagram. I feel like you and I don't really go on our Facebook. Yeah, no. no. So Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, I would say, are the easiest ways, and they're accounts that I check for Brian and myself on the daily. 
So definitely hit us up on there. My handle on all of those accounts is Nina Pal Dixon, and Brian's is Brian Dixon 06. Mm-hmm. So if you guys message us, we will get back to you on the same day for sure. Now, for a lifestyle tip. Do you know what we're talking about today? What is it? Let me know. You told me before, but I forgot. I've been busy. It's a very simple yet extremely effective mechanism or tool, I guess you can call it. Um, And I recently listened to a different podcast that had said less than three. I have to actually read what it says. It says less than 3% of people actually write down their goals or like the things that they want to achieve Mm -hmm. and only less than 1% actually write them down, but then read them every single day. And there's a science behind this. And I'm sure now you know where I'm going with this is if you want to achieve something or you're trying to accomplish something, it could be a fitness goal. It could be a career change. It could be a career goal. Maybe you want a promotion within what you're trying to do. Maybe you want a new relationship. Maybe you want to move to a different home. Whatever it is, it could be the smallest goal or the biggest goal. I would strongly encourage people to write down what it is that they want to achieve. And it could be more than one thing. And put it on a post-it note. Put it on several post-it notes. Go ahead. I think it goes a lot farther than that. I think it's writing it down is just step one in order to do that because you got to have a plan that goes along with that. But just writing it down is the beginning step. The next thing you need to do, and this is what I do that's been super helpful, is I put them on the mirror in my bathroom. And every single morning that I wake up, I read them out loud. And every single night when I go to sleep, I read them out loud because it's constantly programming your subconscious to then create the energy to go towards that goal. If you just write it down and you throw it on your table, that really doesn't do much. Or if you, you know, if unless you're consecutively writing it down over and over every single day and you're reading it while you're doing it, but it's important to write them down. But not only that, put them in a place where you're going to see it each and every day and then either in your head as you're reading it or out loud, actually read that goal to yourself. Because what you're doing is you're programming your subconscious. And over time, what's going to happen is it's going to become such second nature to be very attracted to that goal that you set for yourself that you will begin to dedicate your energy there and then doors will open for you. That's at least been my experience with it. So the science behind this, though, is that When you write something down as opposed to, because most of us, this is what most of us do. We think of a goal or we have something in mind and it's like a fleeting thought. And we say, you know, I'm going to start eating healthy tomorrow. Or, you know what, I can get that promotion at at, at work. I give myself a year. Mm -hmm. As time goes on, it's human nature to forget that, right? Mm -hmm. And so it becomes this distant thought, this distant memory, and then you eventually forget about it. So what it does is it helps you record what you really want to focus your attention on or where your subconscious or your heart really are focused on. Like when I sit down to write a goal, I can have some small time, small term, you know, goals on there. Like I got to take the dogs out. I got to get dog boarding stuff. I have to plan a vacation, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going to sit there when I actually have to take pen to paper and write down my big goals, right? The main ones of why I'm working every single day or why I'm doing something every day, Mm -hmm. those start to come out when you actually put pen to paper, like serious stuff that's in your heart comes out. So it helps you record that and remember that Mm -hmm. when you read it. It also helps you clear your mind and focus what is important to you because you're not gonna put the small shit on the paper, right? 
It also helps you clarify your goals and your intentions. I don't know what episode you and I have done, but we talked about goal setting and being really clear on your intention. Only then could you achieve that. Mm -hmm. You You have to make sure that it's what you want and you've thought about it and you have a plan for it. But it has to be a very pure intention or desire that you want for yourself. Writing that down makes it very clear for you. And then another one, and this is my favorite one because this is what it does for me. It encourages daily progress by bringing your focus and attention to what you want to be working on. So when you're reading it every day on your bathroom mirror and every night before you're going to bed, it's like reminding you. It's like giving you a little bit of motivation. It's like a pep talk. Like, Mm -hmm. this is why you're doing it. This is why you're doing it. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize. And believe it or not, it does work. I've talked about this. You've talked about this before. And it's interesting because when you're constantly reading it, I don't know, in like two or three months, it becomes just like a part of your subconscious. And mm-hmm. you see it, you're reading it, and then you go on with your day. You know what it reminds me of? It Whenever we were in law school together and we used to create these exam or these uh, study outlines for like our exams that we would have, mm-hmm. we would sit in the library for like 14 hours at a time reading it over and over and over again, almost to the point where when you went to actually take the exam – it's interesting how the human brain works that like, this is what happened to me. I would go in there and I would see the fact pattern and then I would literally like scroll through my memory and say, oh, I remember the answer to this was on page 28 of the outline, section two. And then you could literally see like the ABCD part of that you have to apply to the fact pattern. That's how it works for me with goals. When you like read these each and every day, I can just be sitting there and just remember it because it's so programmed into your head that you don't even you reach a point where you don't even have to actually like read it, you know, like you do it for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden you can literally just sit there with while you're brushing your teeth and like just recite it straight from your head. Cause you memorize it. You, you know? memorize it. it. It's in you. It's like ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that a couple years down the road, and this has happened to me personally, you happen to find that piece of paper or you happen to find that note or whatever. And you realize that you've achieved it. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that you wrote on that piece of paper has come true. And to me, there is nothing more, motivating than that moment of like wow i forgot i've been toiling away at this and it came true but i was so busy on to the next thing that i forgot to like step back and enjoy it Mm -hmm. like that's that's what happens more often than not but that's still a very good feeling to have either way so if there's something you guys want to achieve and there's something you're working on write it down and watch it come true I, i think that's a very real thing on to our topic so last week I talked about three lessons that I learned the hard way in life. Mm-hmm. And this week, I kind of want to put the attention on you and ask you to share. I believe you have four lessons um, to share with our audience. It's all I've learned. That you have learned. 32 years of life. I've learned four things. So well, let's get deep more into than it. That, but it's, these are the important ones that stuck out to you when I asked you. That's right. All right. Let it rip. Tell me. So your first one was don't let credentials define your future. Sure. So I think that this was a really big one for me when I was going through school and I had a very different route into how I got into what I do now. And when I was to give some context for my background, so I went to school when I was in college, I got a degree in English and sociology. Uh, When I was in my last semester of school, got in a really bad car accident, ended up transferring back from Mizzou, where I was at, to the University of Missouri in St. Louis. 
And at that time, I started working with my brother, who was an attorney. And so I ended up doing that for about a year as I was finishing up school to see if I wanted to go to law school. Uh, then I you know, went through the process. I went to law school after that. And it was in my second year of law school that I learned about cryptocurrency, which I believe I've talked about in past episodes. And that kind of forever changed my concept of what I wanted to do with my career. And, but anyway, I finished up law school. I was working in a law firm. Uh, a couple months into that, I ended up leaving the law firm and then transitioned out to dedicating all of my time to try to find what I wanted to do in the technology space. Uh, eventually came across Capital Innovators and uh, joined that as a very early team member. It was just myself and the CEO when, we first, when I first joined. And she had just founded it a couple years before that. And so what I learned through that process is I let my intuitive capabilities really guide me to where I wanted to go. And I didn't let the academic credentials or the experience credentials I had up to that point hold me back from making a decision or try to direct my path for what I wanted to do with my future. And so what I mean by don't let your past or your credentials define what you do just because you go to school, for example, and get a marketing degree doesn't mean you have to go into marketing. You know, you may have a really big passion for uh, something completely different. Maybe you got a marketing background, but you want to do computer science and learn how to be a computer coder and you can go to go that route. Or, you know, maybe you got a financial background and all of a sudden you want to do graphic design, which is completely different. Like you should never, ever let what you've done in your past and the degree that you got in a particular school or the lack of a degree because you didn't go somewhere, which is totally fine, um, to define the steps you take in the future in terms of what you want to do with your career. And that's something that I've learned that's made a tremendous impact because if I would have let myself hold myself back because of that, then I would probably be on a career path right now that I wasn't super happy about. Like, when I left the legal side of things, after spending a lot of time and energy and money to go through school, uh, you know, it was challenging, not for me in terms of knowing what I wanted to do. It was more challenging because of the friction that people around me tried to create at that time. Like, why are you doing this? You just invested all this time doing this to have this one particular career path. But I knew I wasn't happy doing that, and so I had to really hone in on what it was that was going to make me happy. And sometimes you don't know that all the time. It really takes some time and life experiences to get to that point where you're understanding what it is that you're intuitively attracted to. Um, up to that point, I mean, at this time, I was probably like 25, 26 years old, you know, coming out of school, coming out of law school. I've been in school for, what, 16 years of my life now, and I knew what I didn't like, but I didn't necessarily yet figure out what I do like. And uh, funny story, I was actually watching, after I left the law firm, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I know I wanted to go in technology, but I wasn't really understanding yet how I would get into it. I uh, watched this documentary on Netflix called Something Ventured. And Something Ventured was basically a documentary about the people who started the venture capital industry. So it had these people on there that started these major funds like Kleiner Perkins and Sequoia Capital and basically the godfathers of the venture capital space. And I was like, this is so fascinating. Like, this is something I could really see myself interested in doing. They get to work with these startups and entrepreneurs. They get to invest in these companies. These people are, are entrepreneurs themselves providing this guidance. And I was like, you know, how can I get more? I, I knew nothing about venture capital. This was literally the first time I heard about it. I was 26 years old. I watched this movie on Netflix. And I go, you know what? I'm going to figure out how to get in touch with somebody in this movie. 
And so like the leader of the venture capital space was this guy named Don Valentine. And Don Valentine was the founder of Sequoia Capital, which is literally like the biggest, the number one or two biggest, most successful, noteworthy venture capital fund in the entire world. And I go, you know what? I got to be able to find this guy's information online. So I search around the internet. I find this guy's email address. Now, take for granted, this guy is probably in his 70s at the time and multi-billionaire and probably incredibly busy. But I find his email address and I didn't really know if it was the right one or not, but I, sh- I drafted this email, a couple paragraphs long. I was like, Don, I just graduated from law school. I found out when I was in school that I wasn't passionate about practicing law. I'm very interested in technology, uh, kind of always have been, and I'm very interested in the venture space. And I've done a lot of research, but I just caught you in this movie that I just watched. I was like, I didn't know anything about it until just recently. You told him that you saw him in a movie? I I told him that I saw him in that movie, and that's how I became aware of him. And I was just curious if he could give me some advice and some mentorship. Mm -hmm. And uh, just shot the email, never really expecting this guy to reply to me, right? Yeah. At the time, I'm applying for all these cryptocurrency startup companies in San Francisco and in New York, and nobody will hire me or even really consider me at that point, except one or two that I interviewed pretty far through the process because I wasn't an engineer and didn't have a computer coding background, and all these companies were like heads down building their product, and they really needed these coders to help them with that. So I'm uh, applying for all these different jobs. About a week and a half, two weeks later, I get a phone call from a random number, Silicon Valley area code on my phone. And I pick it up, and I'm like, hello, this is Brian. And he goes, did you know? I had no idea. I had no clue who it was. I thought it was actually a company I had applied to okay. that was reaching out to me at the time. Okay. Because I didn't have any connections in San Francisco at this point. And he reaches, he reaches out. I pick up the phone. He goes, is this Brian? I'm like, yeah. He goes, it's Don. Don Valentine. And it like took me a second. I'm like, Don, Don. And he goes, with Sequoia. And I was like, oh, what's up, man? Like, you know, how's it going? And I was like, it took me a second to get my bearings because I was trying to remember who it was. And he's like, I got your email. I was just wondering if you had a little bit of time now, I would, uh, you know, just, just talk with you if that's all right. And I was like, yeah, man, absolutely. I really appreciate the call. And so this guy talked to me for like an hour on the phone and gave me just some incredible advice and told me about all his stories about investing in Apple when Steve Jobs was really young and Oracle and all these other, and LinkedIn, all these other majorly successful investments in companies that made them billions and billions of dollars. Um, and told me about, you know, all the interesting stories with them. And he goes, Brian, one time, it's pretty funny. This guy's a super nice guy, but like very boisterous and like, you know, very like, uh, you know, flamboyant in the way of his personality. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Brian, one time this guy came into our office and said, you know what? We're going to sell shoes online. We've made a little bit of traction now. We got the website up. We're selling to people. I know who this is. And he goes, he goes, Brian, we said, you know what? He's kind of proven the business model out. This was new at the time. This wasn't really happening. There wasn't companies that were really successful selling shoes online. But he had proven this business model out, showed there was a real pain point and consumers were going to buy from this. And he goes, we gave him a couple million bucks. That company made us over a billion, Brian, with a B, a billion, a billion <laughs> dollars. He goes, that company was called Zappos. And I, <laughs> and I was like, I was like of Zappos when you were talking about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was a character. He was so funny. And then he was like, okay, let me give you some feedback and advice. After he told me all these really cool stories, he's like, let me give you some advice for where you're at. He goes, you just spent three years of your life and invested all this money going to law school. And now you're interested in becoming an entrepreneur going into venture capital. 
He literally, this word for word, this is what he said. He goes, Brian, you just wasted three fucking years of your life. Yeah. And I started cracking up and I go, Don, I, I appreciate that. I don't, I don't look at it that way, but I definitely understand your point of view. And he goes, and here's why, but here's what you can do now to fix it and move forward. He goes, at Sequoia, we never invest in companies or invest in employees to bring them on board you know, without that operating experience. He's like, if we're going to hire somebody at our firm, we want to make sure that person is an entrepreneur that either founded a company or got in early with the company and built that company and made it successful. Because those are the people when we're investing in new companies that have the operational expertise to guide those investments to success. He goes, Brian, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was teaching at Stanford, I used to do this thing where kids would always ask me, Don, can I come intern at your firm for free? And Don goes, you know what? No, I will charge you $25,000 if you want to come intern with us because that is how much it's going to cost me and the time for my employees having to train you to actually intern at the capacity that we need to help these companies. And he goes, one time when I was teaching a class, I had this kid in my class who was super wealthy and his parents go, you know what? We'll pay the 25K just so you can get that on your resume and the experience. And, he, and so he told me that and I raised it to 50K and he turned me down. <laughs> but uh, anyway, long story short, he gave me some really good advice and said, Brian, if you want to get involved in this space with no experience, he goes, found a company or get in early with the company you're really passionate about, but focus on businesses that have really big market opportunities because that's how you can grow a company really big. And then he goes, in the future, if you're able to do that, come back to us. We'll reconsider. Maybe we'll uh, have an opportunity for you in the future. But he goes, all the major successful venture funds, that's what they look for. They look for people that have the operational entrepreneurial experience to help our investments. It's like, that makes perfect sense, right? So I had had some different businesses that I had uh, dabbled my you know, feet in just a little bit trying bod to- Bod beats. Bod beats, yeah. I, had <laughs> I this, remember that When one. I was in law school, I had this online website I started that was focused around exercise and nutrition and music and how like the music played off it together you know didn't really do anything for me right i had a yeah but i, I built... remember when you messaged me in law school you're like hey i started this thing vod beats yeah it's pretty <laughs> funny like, what is <laughs> exactly and uh i had built this website out developed a bunch of content had some content writers writing it for me and it got to a point where I was like, okay, you know, I, I learned a lot with it. I learned about how starting an online business and uh, got to a point where I actually ended up selling it. Um, you know, didn't make any money off it or anything, but got somebody to, if I actually take all the expenses that I had going into it. But I went through the whole process of actually selling the company, went online and did that, found a buyer for it. So it was just a huge learning experience for me, putting myself in this space that I really wanted to learn about. And this is going to get me to a topic later on that we're going to talk about having infinite curiosity. And through that process, what I learned was I just had this big passion for entrepreneurship. I love like starting the business. I love the process of growing it, like everything that goes into it, what you learn, how to like develop this relationship with potential customers or an audience to grow it and create value for something that somebody else will be interested in and will pay for. And uh, I, so as going through that process, I learned, you know what, if I'm going to listen to this advice that this guy gave me in terms of how I could be interested in the venture space in the future, I'm going to uh, you know, try to go focus on that. So I, I was getting no success in the crypto space um, at that time, but I was investing in cryptocurrency very early on. So that was kind of my knowledge. I was just reading it, researching it. I ended up writing several books on crypto and blockchain. 
And I didn't really realize when I was doing that how robust the entrepreneurial ecosystem in St. Louis was growing. It's like literally in my backyard and I had no idea. And I came across a random article, I read about it, and I was like, man, there's a lot happening here. I should go check out some of these co-working spaces that have all these startup companies in it. Maybe I can get in with somebody there and it will be a good fit for me. But at this time, did you know you wanted to dabble in the tech space already? Uh, yeah, like, I had already known this. St. Louis was like this ecosystem. You were like, okay, I want to be in tech. I already decided that I wanted to do that when I learned about crypto and Bitcoin in law okay. school. I didn't okay. realize how quickly the ecosystem it's was growing right until post-law school. Okay. And I'm like, this is in my own backyard. So I ended up learning about this co-working space in downtown St. Louis. It was called T-Rex, which stands for Tech at the Railway Exchange. And I just went down there one day. I drove down. I literally was walking from office to office, just knocking on people's door. There was like 150 startup companies working out of it on like eight floors. And uh, just meeting people, networking, getting to know what they were working on. Um, oh, I, I forgot to mention something. After I had that conversation with Don Valentine. That was a Nina move, right? There. Yeah, my bad. I did, just <laughs> forgot something. Right when I had that conversation with him, I wrote my goals down. I wrote like everything that I wanted to Dude, do. Dude, I had this paper. Yeah. Isn't you, it the paper on the white? It's in blue ink. Yeah, I it's in blue it ink. I still have it to this yeah. day. Yeah. I wrote all these goals down for what I wanted to accomplish over the course of like the ensuing years. Mm -hmm. And one of them was to get this job in a venture fund and, you know, be able to work with these tech startups and things like that. And so as I wrote that down, and I was reading it every day. And now fast forward to back where I was. I'm inside T-Rex. I'm knocking on these doors. I come across the company Capital Innovators. And I'm like, this is really interesting. And I'm talking with the person who was a program director at the time. And uh, the only people that worked with them full time was the CEO and the program director. And uh, <clears throat> so I learned, you know, this is a company, they're investing in startups. They are a startup themselves. They had just started a couple years before. And the team was very lean at the time, but they also had these venture funds that they had raised, that they managed, they invested in companies. And when they invested in them, they ran them through a 12-week program, and they had all these amazing business mentors with entrepreneurial experience and executive experience at larger organizations focusing on startups and innovation. And they mentored the businesses as they went through. And what I thought in my head, like something just clicked, and it was like, Working for a company like this could help me learn all these different things I want to do at the same time, like learn the venture investing, be a part of that, being a part of a startup. I could help grow this startup and grow it. And it was working with technology companies like tech startups they were investing in. And by working with these startups, I thought, you know, I could probably learn so much and absorb like decades and decades of knowledge by just being a fly on the wall in these rooms as these mentors are working with the startups and then me also working with them and kind of learn through acting, right? Learn through educating them by what I learned from the mentors. And so what I did was I just asked them like, can I work for free? And they were like, well, yeah, like, you know, we'll, we'll give you an internship for you and, uh, you know, you can work for free with us. And so I was super grateful for that. And I ended up just dedicating all my time and energy over the course of like a six month span to working with them and engaging with the startups and helping them with just anything they needed help with. And at that time, I was still trying to really push forward in the St. Louis ecosystem and network as much as I could. And then throughout that process, about six weeks into it, the person that gave me the internship, that program director at the time, reached out to me and he's like, Brian, uh, I am going to actually be leaving Capital Innovators to go launch a a larger venture capital fund that focuses on investing in companies when they're further along. Would you be interested in meeting the CEO and seeing, uh, you know, if you want to work from a full-time capacity here? And I was like, absolutely. So uh, a couple days later, we set up a meeting. I met with her. We really hit it off. 
made me an offer a couple days after that. And within a week after that, I was working full time there. But it was literally, I was reading these goals every single day. I was putting my energy in that direction. And like the majority of these short term goals I had set on this paper that I was reading just came true. Like in a six month time span from when I set them, that happened. But I was dedicated, I was like gunning it at that time to go after it. And you also didn't let your credentials stop you. Oh, yeah. Dabbling into the tech space. Not at all. Yeah. And it actually, like, I just went, went full force in that direction. The doors opened for me. And then at that point, it literally changed like every my vision for what I wanted to do because I recognized this company had so much growth potential. Like mm-hmm. when I mentioned before that Don Valentine was talking about focus on big markets, mm-hmm. we were focused in the technology space. Every business around the world needs new cutting edge technology to stay ahead of the, the mm-hmm. curve, right? And we were investing in these companies. So venture funds have been around for a long time, but they're growing and they're getting bigger and they're getting more successful all around the world. There's corporate venture funds. There's all sorts of ways to take this accelerator model that we've enhanced over the years and apply that to corporations and grow corporate innovation and all sorts of other products and services. So after I did this, I really started to understand like, wow, that the the amount of growth that we can provide for this company, it could be huge. And over the, I didn't really realize, like I thought it could be big, but until I actually got deeply involved with it, the dots didn't really connect fully for how big I understood it could actually get. And I still, even to this day, like I have this huge vision for where we're going to take the company, but it's probably going to be way, way bigger, way bigger than I can even conceive of right now because there's going to be other types of products and services that we're not even offering right now mm-hmm. that may not even be prevalent in any markets right now because of the rate of technology is enhancing that we're going to be able to create in the coming years that will help us provide more value to our customers and to the startups that we invest in. And um, it's funny because when I was in law school, right before I finished, like in the last year, I go, you know what, maybe I should go an extra year and get an MBA to see if I like that kind of stuff. Because I had taken a weekend class and I, uh, it was a weekend class in private equity, but it was actually a weekend class on the business school side. And uh, when you were in the law school, they let you take some business school classes if you wanted to for weekend courses. And I ended up taking this private equity class and how those how these weekend classes work is you take one, two, three days in a row. It's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then usually the next weekend you take the exam and you submit it. And that's how you get your credit for that class, right? And so for this particular one that I took, I did the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then it was like Wednesday or Thursday of the next week. And I ran into my buddy that was in the class with me and he's like, Hey man, how did that private equity exam go? And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's this weekend, right? Just like all the other weekend classes. And they're like, no, that that you were supposed to turn that in 24 hours after the class ended. Like they gave you the information right away and unlocked the portal. And I'm like, oh shit, did I just like completely blow this class that I just paid for and signed up for? And so immediately I go online and I look at it. And of course he was right. And I emailed the teacher. I'm like, hey, I am so sorry. I thought this was the same structure of other weekend classes. It was a complete oversight on my behalf. Like I take full responsibility for it. Can you give me 24 hours to get this exam in? And he's like, yeah, no worries. I uh, haven't even graded it yet. He goes, I'll give you till tomorrow at 5 p.m. So I literally stayed up like all night, took the exam. Didn't We had this binder full of material that was like a thousand pages oh worth of private equity information. And I literally had five fact patterns on there. And basically it was all sorts of stuff like, John down in Florida has an orange growing farm and he's trying to do this and sell it to these distributors. And it walked you through like five businesses and you had to apply these fact patterns from what we learned. And I was like, I do not have time to read any of this or go through this. I literally just read all five fact patterns and off the top of my head, I just spit out what I thought would be the answers from what I heard in the class and how I thought 
it was the best business sense, the most logical business sense to answer these questions. The teacher emails me a week and a half later and goes, hey, Brian, we graded all the exams. He goes, I'm glad I let you, uh, you know, get an opportunity to turn yours in because you got the highest grade in the class. <laughs> and You're I was like, a good test taker. I know I'm not a good test taker. And I was like, what? And he goes, I was like, are you joking? Or are you serious? He's like, he's like, no, he's like, you, you scored the highest grade in the entire class. And I was like, sir, I didn't even read the stuff. And I was like, I was like, well, I'm grateful for that, obviously, you know. But and then at that point, too, oh it was like God. that it really interests me. And it made a lot of sense at the time, you know. And so um, I think that what I was going with that is at that point, I, I considered going to get my MBA as well after I was getting my JD. And I uh, kind of went through the process, went and I was talking with the school. And what happened was. Um, if you do a JD MBA, it ends up being four years instead of five because business school is right, two years, right. right? And I ended up missing the deadline to do that and they like wouldn't work with me on it. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to go back and spend another two years and more money to do this. I'm just going to go and try to get some real world experience. Luckily, I made that decision because when I joined Capital Innovators and I went through our first 12 week accelerator program that I ran and I had the opportunity to sit in the room every single week for 12 weeks with these brilliant brilliant entrepreneurs and executives, literally in 12 weeks of time, I learned more than I could have in two years of business school and all of law school and everything else when it comes to understanding how to grow and scale an early stage business into success. Yeah. And like the amount of knowledge I've had now over the last six years almost of doing this and being in the room, we were always rotating these lead mentors and these subject matter experts. And we've grown our network to over a hundred plus super experienced business mentors locally and around the world. And the amount of business acumen and knowledge I've learned from doing things with them, growing our own brand around the world, creating new revenue streams and different types of services and, and product lines has just been remarkable. Like if, I always tell like even other people that have gotten their MBA that we've invested in that have then gone through our program have literally said, I wish I would have not gotten my MBA and just gone through an accelerator program. There is no there is just nothing like it real, real world experience and i completely agree with what you just said you absolutely need to get out there i think my physical like the physical internships that i would go to those internships or the jobs that i have had have taught me 10 times more than any classroom any textbook or any teacher or any standardized testing could ever teach me mm -hmm. that's just that's a fact yeah. and the amount of confidence and the you know, the real life learning experience that you learn from other people in that industry is priceless. Yeah, it's like it blows my mind to this day that we don't have schools that are teaching things like sales. Yeah. Like how to go prospect a customer, how to nurture the relationship, how to build it, how to follow up with them. Yeah. How to use things like a CRM, for example, so you can manage your pipeline of opportunities. Like these are just basic skills that regardless what you're doing in the workforce, you should understand how to do sales, personal branding, marketing yourself. Like these are things that should be taught. I think that in the future, as traditional educational institutions will either have their models completely disrupted or the forward-thinking ones will begin to adapt and create brand new types of education that more align with what we need that are like hands-on practical skills. I think that's a far long way right now until that changes. But for the people that are like your, you know, our age mm -hmm. or for the kids that are now coming into the working world, that this statement, don't let your credentials define you, your future, that's the example that you just gave. You mm -hmm. know, like it's a perfect story to tell you guys, like don't let, you know, what you went to school for, don't let what other people are telling you that you can't do for whatever reason. Or I, you know what? A lot of things that happen when people try to venture out into a different space is, I'm sorry, we can't hire you. You don't have enough experience. Mm -hmm. That's a big 
big excuse that people always, always give. The HR department Work, always gives it. Yeah, like there's so many programs and community <laughs> programs in cities around workforce development for that exact reason. But that should still not stop you. You should still be out there, intern for free like you did, get the experience that you need. And it all comes down to if you're passionate enough and you like it enough, mm-hmm. you'll make it happen for yourself. And something else that's important is that, and I meant, touched on this in a prior episode before, is if you're trying to get an opportunity and you're really wanting to go after something that you think you're going to enjoy, right? Don't rely on sitting behind your computer and sending off emails or sending off uh, resumes to people and expecting yourself to get a job. Like you have to figure out a way to create a mechanism to get noticed in a world where everybody's sitting behind their computer sending off resumes. And the way you do that is you do things that other people won't. Mm-hmm. You take action to like, like I did. I didn't sit behind a computer and learn about T-Rex and all the companies that were there and say, oh, let's see who's hiring and let's shoot off some applications. If I would have done that, I would have gone on Capital Innovator's site and it didn't say anything about hiring yeah. or internships. I literally learned about that because I put myself out there and I went the extra mile and I went in person to shake people's hands and get to know them. Like, I don't care how far technology comes. There will never be a replacement for the interaction one-to-one with a human being and the feelings and emotions and energy you share with the person when you're in person than when you're separated by like a screen or a video call or a text or an email. Those are tools. And that, we'll get into that more that uh, shortly in terms of like the metaphysical aspect of how things like that operate. But you have to go above and beyond, even if a company's not hiring and you want to work there, I would know. just straight up walk into yeah. that company. Like, go find the people you need to talk to. Uh, if you can get yourself through security, and um, if it's a bigger company or if it's a smaller one, you don't need to do that. Just roll up in there and <laughs> be like, hey. Yeah, not get arrested. <laughs> but I mean, like, figure out a way to um, go in there and do it. I'll give you another good example. So I just met with this guy the other day. And uh, he is a really successful entrepreneur. And he was telling me how he came across Guy Kawasaki at a conference. And for you that don't know Guy Kawasaki, he worked at Apple for a long time, was a huge evangelist for them, uh, went to Canva, which is like an online digital graphic design kind of protocol, and became a huge evangelist for them. And he met Guy Kawasaki at this conference. And got, he, he kept following up with him because he wanted to meet him and get to know him and talk with him, had no experience, you know, just connected with him for the first time there. And... Guy Kawasaki, after multiple emails and follows up, was like, listen, man, I understand now that you're not going to stop, but you've been like very polite and professional about how you've done this outreach to me. He goes, once a week, I go to the San Jose Shark Stadium and I play hockey. And if you come to San Jose and you come and meet me and play hockey with me, I'll give you some time afterwards. We'll sit down and we'll, and we'll talk. And so this guy flies out of St. Louis, goes to San Jose, gears up, goes and plays hockey with him. And afterwards, they spent time together and then they became great friends. And then like like most people wouldn't go the extra mile and do that. But this guy does. And I, th- I feel like that's the same when you're trying to find job or you're trying to develop a relationship with somebody that's very important to you. You have to figure out a way to do what nobody else is doing. And you have to set yourself apart. You know, let's go on to the second one. Um Understand the metaphysical before the physical first. When you told me your four lessons, this one stuck out the most. And you know what I thought? I'm like, huh, how come I didn't think of that one last week? Because I love this one. Yeah. So when I say understand the metaphysical and the physical, what I mean by that is the 
world around us and the universe around us that we cannot see, in my opinion, is the most powerful thing to understand far beyond what we can see on our third dimensional plane. And there's so many different things that go into that and a lot of things that I don't even have the intellectual capacity to understand because I don't think that we even understand it as a, as a race None yet, right? Do, None yeah. of us do. But what is what exists there is energy and energy is something that's within all matter and everything within our world. Every person you come in contact with is carrying a certain vibrational energetic frequency and you have to be able to understand how to manipulate your own energy to do things that will benefit you. And what I mean by that is creating like opportunities and avenues to have positive growth mindsets, figuring out how goal setting works and how to program your subconscious and then pro project that energy out mm -hmm. so that literally you attract opportunities to yourself, people to yourself, all sorts of different things. And understand too, when there's other individuals that you come in contact with that are operating at maybe a negative energy spectrum because they're constantly venting or they're complaining or they're looking at things like the glass is half empty and they're just very pessimistic about things within their life. That's an ego trait that they're allowing themselves to project outwardly. You got to understand those are the types of people you don't want around you. But until you understand this metaphysical component about how that energy is just going to drain yours and suck it away from you, it's going to be difficult. So you really have to be able to recognize that in this metaphysical plane and be able to remove those people from your life. I would take it a step further. Sometimes you don't have the luxury of removing them or removing yourself. There's a period of time there That's that you true. have to learn how to work with that energy and it doesn't necessarily mean take the shit, you mm -hmm. know? I think it's more about how to navigate through and still vibe at a higher level mm -hmm. than that person and therefore attract a different path for yourself. Like that person, to, a couple things can happen. When you're still vibing at a high, you're recognizing it's low energy and you kind of can't do anything about it right now, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a job, it's a boss, it's a coworker, whatever. Or it could be your spouse, you mm -hmm. don't know. And you continue and try to be above it. And I don't mean that in a ne negative way. I mean above it as in like trying to take the higher road, trying to be a better person, not trying to have contentious thoughts about that person throughout the day because mm -hmm. of what they said to you. You continue to better yourself. In a couple months' time, either that person removes themselves from your life, they disappear from your life, they ghost you, or they stop talking to you, or they break up with you, or you find a new job. Things move in your favor mm -hmm. when you learn how not to be dragged down by negative energy and mm -hmm. continue to rise up. I think the situations and circumstances and scenarios in your life are moved at that point. Yeah, I totally For agree. For your benefit. And I think another part of this metaphysical component is to understand what you see on a daily basis and how it makes you feel when you see it and how it affects your intuitive capabilities and recognizing signs and synchronicities. And so... There's, I'm the type of person that believes that coincidences don't exist. I think that everything happens for a reason. And the more you start going after things that you want, you'll recognize certain signs and synchronicities on a daily basis. And I think the universe speaks to you in very interesting ways. And that could be remarkable different things. Like, you know, you're, you're really thinking about somebody that you really haven't talked to in a while and you really want to talk to them. And then that person calls you, yeah. you know, that is a... Like you were, you were emitting mm -hmm. some type of 
energetic frequency to somebody else, some signal to them. And then they're, they're, they hit it and they're like, you know, they're thinking about it too. So they reach out to you. Like, mm-hmm. like everything is connected in my opinion. And you have to understand how those components of our reality work as well, because then you'll able to you'll be able to leverage them to your advantage, right? Because you'll you'll be going after something, and then you may see some sort of like maybe it's a it's a sign on a billboard, or maybe it's something that pops up in a notification on your phone. Where you're th- like, it could happen in a million different ways. You have to be aware, and you have to be very consciously aware. You're and right. I think that's the problem with the majority of people is that they're they're not aware, right? Mm-hmm. So you can have you're absolutely right, like. And it's so subtle. Like I could be like, you know what? I don't, I don't like my protein powder anymore. You know, it just doesn't make me feel good anymore. I've been using it for so long and I just want to like change. It's so odd how like a couple weeks later or maybe later that day, maybe a couple months later, I will come across something on Instagram or come across someone saying something about vegan protein powder at a gym. It just happens out of nowhere. And then it's like, oh, wait, I got to look into that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like the universe kind of saying like, whoop. You asked for this and mm-hmm. you kind of just get to explore something. You got an answer to your question or to your desire. Um, another thing that happens to me with cars, if there's a car that I like, mm-hmm. there's a few of them, I tend to see, if I wake up thinking about it, like I want that car, I want that car, then I see it all day long. All yeah. day long, several times a day, I take the same routes everywhere I go, but I will see that car 6,000 times that day. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like yeah. you're attracting it and it's your mind and I, I couldn't agree with you more that I think, and this is something that's not taught to us when we're younger, Mm-mm. but I think that it's almost like, so it's almost like it's shunned. Like it's, oh, it's, it's the, no, it's like witchcraft. It's like witchcraft or taboo or it's new age. But yeah. I think what I've learned is that we are in, in society in general, we're not rewarded as we come up and we learn from a young age about how this system works really for creativity Mm -mm. we're rewarded for like memorization and being taught how to respond uh, respond to things that we have learned without trying to break the mold about like asking why is it that way right you're not you are not supposed to ask questions you are not supposed to take the path less what is it the world less traveled Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to be creative creative can't make you money Mm -hmm. what's what's commended in our society is are you doing what the people before you did? Are you following a straight path because they did it? Mm-hmm. Because your grandparents did it? Because your aunts and uncles, you know, like, did everyone do it? And then also, it's about all the degrees and the plaques that are on the wall that have your name on it. Yeah, That's what's rewarded. Learning about the universe and learning about who we are and where we come from and what makes us tick and be a good person and do this, that's, that's nowhere. Yeah, and I think that... Yeah, it's it's it should be, and, and I think it it'll take be, a long yeah. time, but eventually it will be present, and it will be taught from a very young age. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of civilizations around the world that used to teach this, and I then have, over time it got taken out of like the curriculum for what you're supposed to learn about yourself as you grow as a person. Speaking of civilizations, though, I do believe that other countries outside of America do grow up in a more holistic culture where that kind of stuff is accepted. So, some other countries. Some I wouldn't like make a blanket statement. Um, and I do believe that the East is big into that. Mm-hmm. Parts of Southern France are into that. Um, parts of the Middle East are into that. Like They understand, like, hey, when somebody bumps you on the road or someone does something, you know, let it go. Let it go. Don't don't curse the person. Don't yell at the person. Mm-hmm. You know, like, good energy, good energy. It's like a common... It's a common way of life. 
and you come here and it's like flipping people off giving the bird honking on your horn screaming curse words everywhere like that that anxious like yeah. react like a very reactionary lifestyle and it's like none of it none of it's focused on you can control you can be zen sure you can be calm and when you are you control your own world you control your destiny they don't want you to know that you can control your own destiny yeah for sure and another thing when it comes to the metaphysical type stuff that i think people should pay attention to that's really worked well for me is your dreams um we're not taught much about like how our dream state actually affects our reality but the way that i look at that is you know there's a lot of different scientific theories around your dreams or your subconscious trying to speak different things to you right what happens to me a lot personally is i dream stuff before it happens yeah. like and it could be very just like simple scenarios like me talking to one of my colleagues at work and it's just like a very basic thing and like i'll dream it and a day or two later that exact same situation will happen like to a t in an extremely vivid dream that yeah, i it's had not, it's nothing major though right yeah it's a simple thing but I, I i've also had it had i've had major dream things that have happened in a dream state that later have came true as well um like there's been stuff between you and me where i've dreamt and then like that was me. you've that was reached me. out yeah but i've had those as well but i'm saying so Basically, what I'm saying is pay attention to things that occur within a dream state. If you can wake up and remember it or you can wake up and write it down, mm -hmm. because I think that's another aspect of this metaphysical that it's part of us as humans. It, like we dream for a reason and there is an energy within that that I think we just wake up and go back to being entertained or straight to our email or all those things that we kind of push that part of our life to the side and I literally think this metaphysical aspect of our reality is one of the most important things. And I study Nikola Tesla a lot. And he used to say that, uh, you know, once our scientists begin to study this metaphysical realm in the unseen, we'll discover more in a couple years than we have in the last 100. My first experience with this wasn't till about 2011 or 12. I think it was 12. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really get it. I've mentioned this a thousand times on this podcast that I didn't really get into any of this kind of stuff till 2012, mm -hmm. late 2012. Um, you had just recently moved. I know it had been a couple months to back to St. Louis and I was still in Michigan. You were going to school here. I was going to school there. Um, we were not dating anymore. We had no communication whatsoever. Uh, I had no social media at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was, I went to sleep and I remember this because it was around Valentine's Day. And I remember what I was doing and what I did the night before on Valentine's. Like I remember where I was. And then I remember going up to my apartment and going to sleep. And I, in the middle of the night, I woke up from a dream, but it felt real. And it was that you were back in Michigan outside of this bar. Remember the bar, uh, the Beave or I the do. Beaver? Yeah. And uh, I think they changed the name later. Anyways. I was inside the bar. You were standing outside the bar with a a baby, but it was wrapped in a blue blanket, and it was pouring rain. And you seemed extremely sad. And I'm like, Brian, come inside. You're going to get wet. You're going to get wet. And you're just staring. Like, I remember it so well still. Mm -hmm. And you're just staring at me so sad. And it's pouring out there. And I'm, like, trying to get you in, and you just wouldn't come in. And I woke up. It was, like, maybe 3 or 4 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., something like that. And I... I don't know what made me pick up the phone and call you after so many months. Like now that I look back, that was kind of awkward, mm -hmm. but I did. I called you, obviously didn't answer. It was really, really late. And I went back to sleep. And then I w actually woke up to a phone call by you. My phone was ringing and I wake, it's like 7 a.m. or something. 
and we kind of like, hey, what's up? Like, how you have you been? Like, you know, like that small talk. And then I go, well, I was like, and you got, you called me in the middle of the night. Is everything okay? And I go, well, and then I tell you the dream, like very hesitant. Like, I'm like, now I'm going to sell like a crazy ex-girlfriend. <laughs> explain it to you. And you go, oh, no way. You're not going to believe where I'm going right now. And I was like, where? And you're like, I'm on the way to the hospital because like my first nephew is about to be born in like an hour. And it's just like, I had the dream with you and a blue blanket and it was like a baby in your hand. I'm just like, what? And then you send me a picture later that day of you holding a baby in a blue blanket and it was Elliot. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I will never forget that. I, that was so, that was a moment in my life that stuck out to me so much that from that point on, I started to believe these things. Mm -hmm. And I think for you and I, I, not many people would know this, but our friends and family know that We've had a lot of tele telepathic things happen while you were in St. Louis and I was in Michigan. Then I moved to PA and you and I were still having these weird like synchronicities. Like I would think about you and you would call or, you know, I'm thinking you would be thinking about me and I would text you or call you randomly. And like I would always have weird. interesting things where I would like be thinking about you and then somebody that like had your exact same name and background would like come in contact with me. Yeah. Like I remember one time, uh, you know, we started talking and I was thinking about you and this person had just joined the real estate company for which our office is, operates out of. Oh, and yeah, uh, they came that. and introduced me like, hey, I want to introduce you to the uh, the new person that just joined. Her name is Nina. She has a background in commercial real estate and law, which is like literally your yeah. background. And I was yeah. like, well, oh, hey, nice to meet you. You know, like just weird stuff like that would happen to me all Do the you time. remember the one where you were going out to dinner and there was a sushi roll. There was a special sushi roll at this place, and the name was Nina. It was yeah. <laughs> you sent me a picture like the fucking sushi roll is Nina. Well, you had you had a funny one too one time. I remember. I think you were, was it down in, in Miami or was it what were you in Philly? And the guy who ran your commercial the, property, the general manager or the building manager of the thing was Brian Dixon, spelled the exact same way that yours was. And this was in two thousand. 13 when I moved into my first apartment. So it was like fresh, like out of law school. Yeah. And I'm like, no way. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> like, I've never known this name my entire life and now it's everywhere. I remember another one that I had. Um, I was working out. I was living in Exton at the time. Now, this is like several years later and you and I still are not speaking. And I was working out at a gym and all of a sudden I'm thinking about you in my head and I see a Washington University, St. Louis hat mm -hmm. sitting right next to like where all the ab machines were and I, I go there every day and for some reason I'm thinking about you and that hat is sitting right there which is where you ended up going to law school mm -hmm. for your last two years it's just weird things like yeah that. so I guess the point of that is it really goes into to like the synchronicity metaphysical yeah. energetic frequency type stuff that we've talked about before and pay attention to it because feel. pay I attention think, to how it makes yeah. you feel. Like, cause there's been times too, when I've seen things and it's made me feel like I got to watch out for this person. Mm -hmm. Like it's that intuitive feeling. Like I saw something happen or I had a dream about somebody or I, you know, w was thinking about like a scenario and kind of like was cautionary about it. Cause I felt like something was going to happen. Yeah. And then a situation occurred or a synchronicity occurred that made me think of a certain individual. Maybe I was doing business with or something else that turned out later to 
like do something in business that was very harmful, right? Or like things like that, or maybe it's like a personal situation that did something very harmful. Um, so it, it's not all good, right? It, it happens from a negative perspective too, but you have to be consciously aware because of that. Because you could be putting your focus on somebody that is not good for you or something that's not good for you. And you'll start to see that. And I know that's kind of like a mind trick right there. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I should, I should reach out to this person. I should do this. I should do this. And it's like, no, no, no. You have to pay attention to how you feel. Mm-hmm. Like, is it like a positive loving fe- a feeling or is it like a mm, or like a curious feeling you know yeah. or like i'm kind of bored so i just want to know and stir up some drama in my own life you know like you have to be very careful with what what it is how you're feeling in the moment mm-hmm. your third one make decisions and then have the patience to see it through yeah so this is something this, that took this was directed at me well, I think you could use some work on this, but we've talked about that. I, I still could use work with this. I think this is something that everybody, especially in our day and age where we're so addicted to instant gratification, you know, yeah. and all the things like social media, I think is a big thing with that. People like will post something and then they'll be checking how many likes they got or things like that. And like, we're so programmed now to want things to happen and want them to happen right now, right? Greatness takes a lifetime to build. If you really look at people like that have been very successful. No, not at all. (laughs) I'm talking about like the people that I look up to in terms of like. Greatness takes a lifetime. (laughs) That sounded kind of cliche, but it's all good. But what I mean by that is like it took me time to realize that like I can't just dedicate a couple months to something and expect magic to happen that quickly. Right. Yeah. You have to be able to be extremely patient to see the fruits of your labor come to fruition. Everything's a process. And it took us up until our 30s to figure that out, right? Yeah. I mean, there's things now like where I'm like, man, I've been working. Like there's times where I've been working on a deal, for example, for like two and a half years before I get any traction with it. Or maybe it takes two and a half years of me doing the wrong thing before I, in in terms of business, before I recognize, oh, like the tiniest little tweak. And it's like, that's what I was doing. That's why it didn't resonate with that customer. And you just have to be patient and you have to really appreciate the process. That's why I've really tried to, to shift my focus around more, you know, always trying to be more present in the moment in terms of the process of what I'm doing with business and really love that instead of saying, I want to do this and I want this outcome and be so focused on this end game and this goal because it's the process where you learn the most. That's where you gain the experience to better yourself in these different things that you're doing. And if you're not grateful and and just totally in love with the process of mm-hmm. getting to that outcome, you're going to constantly be upset or yeah. anxious or fearful or wondering why something's not happening fast enough. But if you can really, really be grateful for that process, then you're going to have the patience to be with it in the long term. And I look at just all the time it's taken, you know, it, when you're in it, it feels really long in the moment. But then when you get there and you look back, it's like, oh, wow, I've been doing this for six years now or how, yeah. whatever you're working on, right? And then it seems like it went by in the blink of an eye. But when you're in it on a daily basis, it may feel like it's always a lot further away from you. So you have to always be incredibly patient to get to where you're going. And don't be so focused on the outcome all the time. Be very, um, you know, very observant and appreciative of the process it takes to get there. And I think that when you are present and you are appreciative of the process, you can clearly see the progress that you've also made. I agree. Which gives you a little bit of motivation, gives you confidence in yourself, and it 
kind of keeps you going along. But I, I couldn't agree with my all of life is a process. It's it's, a, it's an entire journey. Um, I don't care. Unless if you're, you're fifty, because fifty said whoever thought whoever thought progress was a slow process wasn't talking about me. Fifty cents. A PIMP. Um, I don't care if you're searching for a new car. I don't care if you're looking for a new career. I don't care if you're trying to build your business, you know, or you're trying to grow your following. Whatever you're trying to do, that, you're trying to buy a new home. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. it is going to be a process, and you have to understand that there is a bigger, better reason behind your delay. If you feel that there's delays, mm-hmm. it's a it's a reason, and it's all yeah. in your perspective. It's all good for you. What you just said, I think, is super important, and this is one of the big things we work on companies with, right, is you have to be patient in terms of what you're doing and how long it's actually going to take you take to achieve what you're trying to have as this outcome, right? And when you look at the companies around the world right now that are the most successful businesses, uh, most of them, if you look at success in terms of like market adoptance, value creation, like financial upside, the first companies that probably come to mind for a lot of people are these major tech companies, your Amazon, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Square, um, you know, even like Warren Buffett, like on the investing side of things, right? Like Amazon, for example, what one of the highest, mostly successful companies in the world. That company started when Jeff Bezos was around 30, 31 years old. And now it's like 20 plus years later to reach that point. Like this didn't happen overnight. Like a startup is not going to create a product and people are going to beat down your door and you know, then you're just, you're just going to become this massively successful person. Like this takes years and years of patience and market feedback and iteration to get to where you want to go. Yeah. And that's how you should approach everything that you do. Like, you know, with even like, let's, let's take a partner, for example, right? Or a significant other. It takes years and years and time to be like respectful and grateful and learn that person and better yourself and evolve as a person, evolve as a partner to like build the best possible relationship that you can that doesn't happen overnight like don't try to rush the process i I couldn't agree more um here's my question with that though when you when you do find yourself because everybody has good days and bad days sure so i know someone listening to this one which i'll remind everybody this third lesson was make decisions but then have the patience to see it through I understand that everything we just said sounds like, oh, yeah, that's easier said than done. And I have more bad days with impatience. Obviously, you know that. Um, But to share with the audience, then good. Like, I can get tripped up pretty quickly, and then I have, like, three hours of, like, a meltdown. Mm -hmm. What is your suggestion to the audience of how to handle those tough moments where they just want to give up? I always look at things. I think I told you this earlier today. You're a little different, though. Don't forget that you emotionally kind of have this bubble, I think, where you don't really get affected. So for people who are <laughs> affected. Yeah, well, there's my <laughs> advice. Don't get affected. It's not as difficult as people think. So it's more like, of an emotional game. It's an ego thing. Like if you have, if you can't be patient, it is your ego telling you, convincing you, that you should have this right now and you can't be patient. That is not like if you dropped your ego from the equation and you were like, I can I can do this. I'm just going to let it go. And if something bad happens or an obstacle comes in my way or I experience a challenge, I'm not going to let it bother me. Because if it bothers you, the second it bothers you, it's your ego talking. It's not you talking as an authentic soul, right? And that's, that's how I look at it at least. So 
if you can drop and delete your ego from the equation, then you're going to have the patience and fortitude to be able to go through this process from a decision that you make and make it to the end game. But with the second you start to allow your ego to get involved is when the impatience occurs. It's when you start upsetting yourself. You get upset. You start comparing yourself to others. You compare yourself versus where you want to be and you're not there yet. So then you're pissed off and you have a meltdown about it. Like I think that it all has to do it's, it's an egoic response, right? And yeah. so you have to understand how to control your ego and rid yourself of that. And I feel like that's something that I work really hard on. And you call it like this bubble, but maybe that's why I've been able to develop this bubble in a sense, because I try to always delete my ego out of the equation and allow myself to glide yeah, through day-to-day honestly, basis. Yeah, you've been this way for as long as I've known you. And I know you say that in, in the couple years before we got back together, you do mention how you kind of were a reactive person. You have tripped up a few times, but anytime my interactions with you from day one, you have been the much more composed individual. And although it takes me several weeks and months to react, um, I'm not I'm not an instant reactor for sure. It takes me a while because mm-hmm. um, I'm a much more controlled individual as well. I do tend to slip up sometimes, and I'll share a recent episode earlier this week. <laughs> you came home. And we decided to, I'm sure like our audience is going to notice that this is not our podcasting studio in our home. And this is not a white table as I normally share on my stories. This is a black table with microphones that are clipped on here. It's (laughs) completely different than what most people have seen me record on. And the reason is because there was a, like a panel on the one side of the table. We weren't thinking ahead that we were going to record face to face as opposed to sitting next to each other. Mm -hmm. So... I said, Brian, let's remove that panel and then we can still record in our home. And he's like, I'm letting you know right now that I really don't think I can do this. And I'm like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You're like, no, I think we have to call Joe. Joe is your dad. No, it wasn't about removing it. The reason I didn't want to take it off was because that piece on the table like maintained the structural integrity. The four corners on each side yeah. so if were I take, stable because of that piece. Exactly. So if I were to take this piece off, the table was going to wobble super bad, and I knew that. Correct. I wasn't listening, okay? So I'm like, no, no, you can do it, you can do it. And you're like, no, I think we should just have Joe do it. And Joe's your dad. And I'm like, no, 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 you can do it. So I think it was Monday or Tuesday. He comes home, and he's like, okay. So he's up there. I can hear him with the hammer and the drill and whatever. Long story short, Brian was right. (laughs) But now this means that um, a $300 table is now garbage. Literally. It's like, it's also snapping. Because you can't put it back together. Yeah, you can't. It's like Like once you put it together the first time, you're not supposed to take it apart. And so it's wobbling really bad. Like I tried everything. We even went to Home Depot and got things. And I'm I'm already peeved now, right? (laughs) I'm downstairs doing something in the kitchen and you're upstairs with a drill trying to screw the tops and the four corners back so that they don't wobble. Finally, I come up and you're like, this is gone. Like, we can't do anything. <laughs> and like the anger just like flooded over me. <laughs> and I was just like, in my head, obviously I wasn't vocal about it yet, but I was just like, oh my gosh. And that anger festered inside of me throughout the night into the next day. Like, and I hadn't said anything to you yet. I still, like, I'm not a very, I'm not, I don't project to like way later when I'm like, oh my god, like it just blows out of me. So I know because Nina gets like incredibly quiet, very and like quiet. doesn't say anything, and I go, okay, she's really upset about. No, something. but I'm in my head trying to talk myself out of getting mad. That's why, and so, whatever. It's like halfway through the next day, and I'm still pissed about it. 
and I'm like looking on new tables on Amazon, trying to figure out what I can do, like what inches. It's not that big of a room. Like I was looking for something like this size of a table, but white. Sure. And long story short, it was funny. It was while I was doing something. I don't even remember what I was doing around the house. I thought, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stop. Like, I'm going to continue on with this podcast. Because the night before I said, I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> Remember that? I was like, I'm Immediate done. reactive yeah. response. I said, I'm done. And I walked away. And I'm like, I'm going to do this and no one's going to stop me. Definitely not a table. So I started looking for a new table. And while I got that little oomph back all on my own, I was like, hmm. And your suggestion was, you texted me, maybe we should just, you know, record at that studio in the other building, you know, at CIC or whatever. And I'm like no, I don't want to do it there or whatever. I was being kind of resistant. I'm like, I know why I don't want it here, but I could see where the universe is pushing me. Mm-hmm. And then you go, why don't we just test things out? We have not had good luck with this because we aren't testing things out. We've had a lot of obstacles with this video podcast. If you guys don't know that, now you know. And so you're like, let's test it out and use it as a test for ourselves with the video camera, the lighting, the microphone. I'm like, oh yeah, let's test it out. And if I still don't like it and it still doesn't work, then I can buy a new table and we can do it where we were always doing it. Sure. But if anything else doesn't work or malfunctions, we got to fix that problem first. And now looking back in hindsight, I'm going to try to remind myself that whenever I want to get mad or worked up or upset because something's not going my way, I, I'm not, I don't give up easily. I t- my bark is louder than my bite, I think. <laughs> but um, I should always look at it as an, in a way of what's, where is the universe trying to push me? Like, there's is there there a better solution that I'm not seeing, and that's why it's pushing me this way? Like, that's mm-hmm. why I find so much resistance, and it all happened to work out once I dropped my resistance and my high expectations of having an all-white and silver video podcast background. <laughs> you know, like, you just kind of ease up a little bit. Yeah. Um, because I know it is all easier said than done. Yeah, for but sure. It is what it is. Your fourth one, fourth lesson. Be infinitely curious. Yes. I think this is something you and I have in common. Yeah, for sure. And I find myself getting along the best with people that also have a mindset like this. And oh, what... aside from the deep dead scrolls that we <laughs> were talking about last night. <laughs> oh my night. gosh. I read this article <laughs> last night or was watching this video yesterday about the Dead Sea Scrolls, which... Um, Did I just say deep dead You sea said scrolls? deep dead scrolls of some sort. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, 41 p.m. on a Friday night, like I'm tired. <laughs> but the the Dead Sea Scrolls are basically these books that were found that have information that some people believe uh, were like left out of the Bible when the Bible was written, mm-hmm. and um, some of the information actually in them creates different points of view and different things that are what are discussed within the Bible. Um, and it's interesting that to me, just like that concept of that this this is one book that came out and there's these other that potentially were left out of them. Anyway, I read, I saw this um, show about it and I was telling Nina, I was like, I want to read these and learn about what's in them. It just sounds interesting to me. And uh, you got like, so like, screw that. Or you're like, something like, get out of here, Brian. Get the hell out of here reading that shit. I didn't say that. I was like, you know what bothers me, Brian? Yeah. <laughs> I went, I went like off on some tangent. long tangent. And I was like, uh, I just think it's interesting. I, I, I like read a lot and watch a lot of documentaries about like ancient civilizations and different types of like spiritual practices and religions like about all around the world. And I found it fascinating because 
you know, so many different types of religions are practiced, and there's been so many different types of civilizations that do so many different types of things throughout history that I always find it interesting to learn about, like, why they do that, what makes them tick, what makes them think a certain way or believe a certain thing. Or what they're hiding from us. Or what, yeah, that's right, or what's being hidden from us. Maybe there's a bunch of information that's been hidden or that's been uh, purposefully and intentionally left out of certain scriptures and books so that we don't have a full picture of what actually is going on which I think is very possible. Um, so anyway, that that's an example too of me just being infinitely curious. Like I, in everything I do, I feel like I'm always evaluating it. Like what else is here in terms of what else can I learn? What else can I be educated on? And that has to do with pretty much all areas of my life. Like, uh, you know, recently I've been just gunning it on reading more and more sales books to, you know, as I'm doing so much more business development as we're growing the company and customer discovery and engagement with customers. Like I've always been great talking to people. Like I enjoy meeting new people and learning about them, part of being infinitely curious as well. Um, and then doing sales and that stuff. But lately I've been like, there's, there's much more than just that. Like there's such a scientific formulaic process on how you can land deals and things that work and don't work. So literally the last couple months, I've just been consuming as much knowledge as possible, meeting with people that are expert in sales, um, trying to just absorb this knowledge because I'm so curious about how I can better myself in that way. Because I think if you're an incredible salesperson, it really enhances all areas of your life because you're always selling something on a daily basis. You're selling a product or service. You're selling your company. You're selling a vision to new employees you want to hire. You're selling your personal brand. You're selling yourself. You're selling you know your partner that you're with. Like, all these other things that You're you could selling be selling me you could and every, yeah of course all the time just as you are to me i'm selling you yeah, you could be like hey do you want to go see a movie tonight maybe i'm like no and you're like but we can go do this and this like like things oh, like that right you're oh, like you're I selling you like, you're selling you're, to you're me like, for things you want to do whoring me out like a prostitute no. like, like, <laughs> absolutely not um but uh <laughs> i sell you all the time <laughs> but um what i mean by that On is the like corner. that's right <laughs> Oh, man. You know my mom listens to this podcast on the regular. Good. She should know. She should know what's going on she with She doesn't. She's the one who taught me how to do it. <laughs> uh, but what I mean about this infinitely curious is like take things that you're doing and then always ask like what else is there? What else can I learn about this? How else can I educate myself? Like that's an example from a business perspective. Like in my personal life, I constantly read and I'm so infinitely fascinated by ancient civilizations, the nature of our reality. Um, One question I love to ask people, and it's usually something I try to ask them like early on in a conversation, especially in business settings, because it's so out there and people get caught off guard when I ask them, but I love asking it. Do you believe in aliens? Well, that too. I'm I'm a huge UFO person and extraterrestrial person. Anyway, I had to, I digress, but um. When, it, when people, I'm talking with people, I love to ask them two, two specific questions because I feel like it's the two most important questions you can ask somebody that never get talked about. The first one is, why are we here? Okay. Like as a, as a, as a person, as a, as a civilization, as a race of people, why are we here? Mm-hmm. And to learn the answers that different people say about what it is, right? What was the most interesting answer you've gotten? You know, I feel like when you really think about it, people say the same thing, but they, which is interesting to me, right? Because there's a uh, correlation of all these different types of people from all walks of life. And in one way or another, usually people say, 
we're here to love each other or we're here to help each other or we're walking each other home or like, you know, we're here to, to serve other people. Like most responses from people, I would say the vast majority are around what I would call a love-based emotional response as we are here on this planet to help each other, right? To show, to exude love to the human race. Um, they may not say exactly that, but underlying it, it's very clear that that's what's being expressed, okay? So that's what I see the majority of the time. The second question I ask people is, why are you here? Specifically, why are you here on this planet? So I got the answer around why are, why do you think we're here collectively, but then why do you think you're here specifically? And that's the answer that changes for every person. And I think those are incredibly important questions to understand and ask people because it authentically lets you understand who they are as a person and how they think about the world. And they're questions that never get discussed. And there's a, there's a quote, I forget who says it, but the quote says, the two most important days of your life mm. is the day you're born and the day you find out why. And I think most people, once they find out that why, that's when they find that authentic self of oh, what they should be doing. I think you're doing. unstoppable at that point. Then you're unstoppable because then you know what your, your yep. purpose is. You have this intuitive feeling of why you're going, your, this direction you're going. And that, to me, leads to this infinite curiosity because there's, I'm going to meet so many people in my lifetime. I already have met so many people. And to be able to ask people that question creates this data point that just exponentially grows over time where the, what I've learned so far is that most people think we're here collectively to help each other and most people think they're here individually to do something that they love to do and they're passionate about usually that's the response I get for that question like I think I'm here because I'm I really love music and I'm really good at it and I feel like I'm supposed to play music for people well why aren't you doing that why are you working this accounting job if that's what you feel like you're doing usually the response is oh well, I can't make any money of that well with that mindset you're right but if you take baby steps each and every day to put yourself in a position where you can do that, maybe over time you can create that reality for yourself. And that's, I truly believe you can. That's crazy you say that because just last night we went for ice cream and I was talking to you about it. That yeah. I think that there is a – why is it that some artists, painters, I mean like pure artists, can make a very good living even today in 2019 – and others who are very just as talented or if not more talented than they are don't even try or don't make money and so they revert back to a, a corporate nine to five and i think it's all in our minds it is it's a fear-based response yeah it's like a it's a limiting belief that we're fed or by society or by um, authority figures when we're young as we're growing up and it seems to stick for some reason mm -hmm. and i couldn't agree with you more um only to that point i know this is about being infinitely curious but I think that we should all be infinitely curious about our beliefs. Yeah. Um, if I had to wrap this episode up and say something like to add on to what you've said is that we should look within ourselves for everything. You mm -hmm. know, if you look at don't let credentials define your future, you'll be the judge of it. You figure it out for yourself. Don't let a piece of paper or somebody else tell you that you can or cannot do something because you don't have enough experience. Mm -hmm. No, go out, get that experience and make it happen. Understand the metaphysical before the physical. That's self-explanatory. Make decisions, but then have the patience to see it through. Again, mm -hmm. you're going within. And understanding that I'm here, I'm here for a reason, yeah. and I'm going to stick to this decision. And that's the most important thing, I think, in terms of my infinite curiosity is 
being infinitely curious with myself. Like, why am I here? That's constantly evolving. Like, what am I supposed to do today? Who am I supposed to help today? It could be the tiniest thing. Like, I could be driving down the street and I could see a homeless person begging for money and I could roll my window down and I could just talk to him. You know, tell him, God bless you. You know, I hope you're having a good day. That little tiny thing, it may mean nothing. It may may seem like nothing to me, but to him, that could make that person's entire week. You never know, right? See, uh, mine is... It's funny, yours is really big and very noble. Mine is much on a smaller scale, infinitely curious when it comes to myself. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm always trying to be like, why am I thinking this? Why do I feel this way? Um, Why am I not doing enough? Or if someone says something and it kind of rubs me the wrong way, then I'm like, why am I feeling this like these contentious thoughts? Mm -hmm. Like snap out of it. I think I'm always going inward before I react. I'm always trying to process things like, five different things 10x in my mind you know maybe it's because i'm a gemini i don't know but i'm always infinitely curious about why i am saying or doing something at all times Mm -hmm. even while i'm talking to you right now i am curious about something yeah sure and i think that like the more you go within and the more you ask yourself these very important questions like why are we here like these are the types of things, in my opinion, that we should be talking about and yeah. figuring out, not like a lot of the more societal stigmas and, you know, business related things. Like I think like my ideal world in the future as we grow is to like have a civilization that sits around and actively discusses these important questions. They've been like so suppressed that nobody feels comfortable. It's like it's reached a point where people don't feel comfortable talking to other people well, about it. Well, it's a taboo to talk about f- these things in the corporate world. Exactly, yeah. Are you going to talk about this with everybody in your office? Yeah. You know, I, I could never do that in, in my field uh, mm-hmm. years ago when I was working in the corporate space. To talk about the secret and the law of attraction and why I'm here and my passions and creativity. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. I mean, there's one person I could share that with in the office. And it was like an office of 3,000 people. Yeah. Um, so I absolutely agree with you. Um, to tie this all together, I have mm-hmm. two questions for you. Sure. Before we get to our books and our quote. Why do you think we're here? I think we're here to remember who we are and to wake up and to remember that you can't exude love like everywhere. Um, And what I mean by that is I believe that our entire reality is connected and that we are all living out human experiences through a infinite sea of interconnected consciousness and that we are like when we look at another person or when we speak to another person in reality we are engaging with ourself that is this infinite consciousness okay and when we're doing that we have the choice to decide in that moment are we going to engage with what is actually ourself on this metaphysical plane, but looks like a projection of a human being in, in that experience that's separate from us when in reality it's not? Are we going to engage with that person through love or through fear and anger or hate? And that's a decision we make every single day. And I think that our goal here as a collective is to remember who we are, remember the power that we have, the creation ability that we have, 
and the opportunity to exude that love for each other. And I think we're put through tests on a daily basis to try to say, are, which, which way are you going to decide? And you, when you decide the wrong way, you have a karmic response to that. When you re- uh, decide the right way, you have a karmic response to that for the positive. And throughout that process, you begin to wake up and remember what we actually are. And I think that's why we're here as a collective. And why are you here? I think I am here to become the absolute best version of myself. And by doing that, I think that it will be able to help other people become the best versions of their self. And the way I look at that as a collective as well is if every single person on our planet did that very best they could in everything that they do every single day, it's going to dramatically enhance the energy of our entire planet. And people are going to recognize that. So they're going to want to be the best versions of themselves. So the best thing that I can do as a person is be the absolute best version of myself and try to get better each and every day. And by doing that, I think that's how I exude that love frequency because I'm loving myself to the best possible manner that I can. Isn't there a, uh, isn't there a song or a saying around this? Like one candle can light, what is it? Like a candle can light a whole room or something? You just killed it. <laughs> no, there really is. And I have no idea, but sure, it's probably. This is actually why you light candles in churches and temples is because. Will you sing it though? You just did a really good job singing No, that. no, if you can, I, I'm completely blanking on this, but it means that if you can exude that love or that positivity or that light within you, if you can hold your light together, mm-hmm. then it, you can light someone else's. And it, 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 that's positivity and that love can keep spreading with just one person. Yeah. And I think it's true because anybody that you happen to come across, you're positively affecting that person. Um, and I don't want to admit this, but I will. There are many times where I do not react the way that old Nina used to react before you were in the picture. Um, because now I think, well, how would Brian react in this situation? Because I know how you I know how you are. I know how you WWBD. You hold yourself <laughs> to such a high standard, and so it's like, well, I'm not going to be the flailing chicken in the yard, freaking out and screaming about something when he's just this calm and like positive. <laughs> it, it does stop me in my tracks, so it forces me to be a better person, yeah. right? Like I, because because you're an example in front of me every single day. So I think that's great. I think it's awesome. Do you have any books to share with anybody? What are you reading right now? So a lot of the books that I've read recently are more business-related books. They're not kind of on some of these topics we talked about. But let's see. Right now I'm reading one called The The Seller's Survival Guide. Okay. Um, No, I'm sorry. The Closer's Survival Guide. It's a Grant Cardone book. I've been on a a Grant Cardone kick recently. Just kind of – he's got a lot of good content that I'm learning on the sales side of things. It's been super beneficial. Like I've literally implemented some of the things that he's – wrote about in his books um and it's very very like interesting nuances about how you deal with people when you're doing business development stuff that's just been so effective like it's remarkable i can't recommend his stuff enough i think that guy's a he's really good at what he does um so that's one way to get him on this podcast would you want that oh for sure we'll talk to him at some point we'll meet him but uh that's a really good one that I think, um, you know, if you're trying to better yourself from a business development perspective, Mm -hmm. that's an easy one to get through. It basically walks through people like 
the different closes. Like if people say, no, they don't want to do it or the price is too high or this and that, how to basically like agree with that potential customer, but then discount it in, a, in like a, a respectable fashion and then go in again with like counters that like are, that help you close that deal basically. This is how it begins in our home. Brian, I found a German Shepherd puppy. No, Nina, we're not getting another dog. There's too much hair. We already have two dogs. A German Shepherd is going to shed too much. Absolutely not. We need a bigger house, the bigger yard, and then you can have one. And even then, it's going to be an outside dog. But Brian, I agree with you. But look how cute. Like, just look at it. And you just still look at me like, no. And then you'll be like, yeah, it is kind of cute. You're wearing down. Wearing me down. Listen, I'm going <laughs> to get my way. I always get my way. But uh, but that's a good one. If if we want to talk about books, I think that align with some of the other more metaphysical things that we've talked about. Think and Grow Rich is a great one. I know we've always, we always already, sorry, cannot talk tonight. We've already mentioned that one. Um, the Secret is a good one. What do you think about Cryon? You think people would understand that? Or is that a little no, too far out there? No, I mean, you know what? I've thought about talking about Cryon on this, on this podcast. I sincerely... I sincerely don't do not think that people will. And you know what? Hey, listen, if someone's listening to this and has read Cryon before and loves it or understands it, please message me. Um, they're they're pretty they're pretty short it. and simple. Yeah, but they're not simple. Well, okay, they're they're short and they're dense. Like it's very dense material. It's very dense material. And for me, I'm a reader. Yeah. And I can under I read a lot, so I get it. I don't. I'm not that person who's to read something five thousand times. Mm-hmm. Cryon was one of those books where I had to read one page like three times constantly it, it kind of like it took me by surprise well there's another book the other one I was, I was gonna mention but i guess it's kind of similar in that vein it's called the universal one um and it's by a guy who was like an apprentice to nikola tesla but yeah, that goes really it. deep too but that's you know tough what's to easier? understand you, you can read that one I, I would suggest the audio version to that it's on youtube for free yeah that another good one that i read a long time ago is called cosmic consciousness I've never read that one. That's a that's a pretty interesting book as well that kind of goes into some of these principles. So we've got the Universal One, Cosmic Consciousness. I mean, potentially Crayon. I wouldn't recommend it um, unless you're a serious reader. And it's, it's just really. Dense. I would say you have to be a, for that. You have to be a serious reader, and you yeah. have to be incredibly open-minded. Yeah. To understand that. Um, the Secret, Think and Grow Rich. All these books would all align with today's episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, how before we wrap this up, how about you leave our audience with a quote? Ooh, I got you on that one. Am I supposed to just say whatever? Just say whatever. Uh, Be authentic as possible. Do your best. <laughs> no, no, I'm not um, getting away with that. No, no, no. So I think, uh, I guess what I would say is allow yourself to be open mm-hmm. to things you see. Coincidences do not exist. And don't let your past define your future because you can change your reality anytime you make a decision to do so. And once you make that decision, have the patience to see it through. I like it. Good job. That really is by you. That's right. It's like a Brian Dixon quote. All our topics wrapped into one. All right, guys. it. That's all we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And if you have any feedback, comments, reviews, Maybe you liked something, maybe you didn't like something, maybe you agree with something and you want to share it with us, or you didn't like something and you want to share it with us, whatever it is, reach out. My handles are Nina Pal Dixon, Brian's are Brian Dixon 06, yep. right? 06. It's on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. What else are we on? 
TikTok sounds so stupid. It sounds so dumb. I'm not used to this. I yet. know it sounds so dumb. Jeez. TikTok. Okay, watch. We're TikTok. Look, we're gonna look. We're gonna look TikTok. back. We're gonna look back in five years. And it's gonna be like the next big thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, guys, reach out. We love uh, interacting with you and hearing your thoughts and comments. And that's it. We'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you soon.